We're going to continue talking about the power of the gospel, the importance of the gospel, how you can be a, a proclaimer of the good news. We've talked about in past weeks how the word, uh, many times when it, when it talks about them preaching the word or preaching the good news, uh, those aren't separate words. There's, uh, there is a word for preaching and there is words for good news. But a lot of times the word that's used is just one word, which means to proclaim good news, to herald good news. And uh, that's what they were doing. That's what the apostles did. That's what Jesus did. That's what we were commanded to do. And so this is good news we get to share. And I, I want to talk about one of the first real proclamations of the gospel in the New Testament. Now, John the Baptist came preparing the way of the Lord in many ways, preaching the gospel of the kingdom to a degree. But when Jesus came, he preached it in its fullness because he was the fullness. He brought that gospel to life. He brought it to reality. He was exactly what the prophets had been telling us about for hundreds and hundreds of years. And so when Jesus comes into his ministry, he's baptized by John. Of course, we know about the miracle at Cana, but he goes into his ministry. And before he really does anything major in ministry, he goes out into the wilderness and he's tempted by the devil for 40 days. He's fasting and praying for 40 days. And many of us would believe that after 40 days of not eating, after 40 days of being battered by the enemy and fighting a spiritual battle, that we'd all be tired, that we'd be worn out. We think that Jesus would come out of that just needing a vacation, needing a break. But the Bible actually says he comes out full of the Holy Spirit. I love that because the Holy Spirit does not drain, the Holy Spirit revives. And so Jesus doesn't come out drained because he's had to do spiritual work and be and 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 fast and pray and fight but instead he comes out fully revived and ready to go and do the ministry that that the father has given him so he goes and he preaches in these villages and he's preaching in their synagogues and teaching and uh people are amazed you know this is this is something they haven't heard obviously there's something different and we'll talk about that in a minute but I, I want to talk about his, his message when he comes back to his hometown in Nazareth. Nazareth was the place that he spent most of his life growing up. He was born in Bethlehem. They escaped to Egypt for a time. Then they moved back to Nazareth, and that's where he grew up. And in this place, he started his ministry. Of course, it was in this place where they had a little bit of a hard time at, uh, accepting him as a man of God, as the son of God, even as a, as a great prophet, because of the fact that they grew up with him. And we all know what it's like when you know someone so well, even if they have never done anything wrong to you or, or in, in any way displayed something that would be negative, Jesus lived a perfect sinless life. So there wouldn't be anything that they could say was wrong with him when he was growing up, but just the fact that they were so familiar with him kept them from embracing who he really was and the gift that he brought. But when he preaches in the synagogue, this is a, this is a huge moment because this is one of the very few uh, messages we get to see in the synagogue. This is, this is a peek into the message he was preaching as he went from town to town. And in Luke chapter 4, as we pick up, he opens to the book of Isaiah and he finds the place where it is written of him. He knows that the prophets were speaking of him. At this point, he's not reading as if this is a prophet and this has some parallels today. He knows he's the embodiment of this. He knows he's the fulfillment. He knows this is the time for that prophecy to be fulfilled. And how will that prophecy be fulfilled? One of the first things he has to do is to proclaim it. We've been talking about that, how, in, how the word to preach the good news means 
to proclaim good news, to bring good news, to announce good news. That's what Jesus does here. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, he reads this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, to proclaim recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those that are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And if we're looking at this and and this verse, you'll notice that there is a common theme. Jesus doesn't say the Spirit of the Lord came and has anointed me uh, to help the poor, uh, to release the captives, to heal the blind, even though he does all those things. What he's saying here and what he's reading is that the first thing the Spirit of the Lord anointed him to do is to proclaim it, to preach it, to announce it. And that's so important that so often we, we skip over it. We think the only things that Jesus did that mattered are the actions, the, the, the moments after the preaching. Whatever happened after the preaching was the big deal. After the preaching when people were healed or after the preaching when demons came out or after the preaching when, when he fed the, the thousands who needed food, we think that's the big moment. But Jesus is saying here, the miracle is happening in the preaching. It's the preaching that's bringing about all those other things. It's the proclamation that's bringing it into reality. This is what God has promised, and now it's real. Watch what he says. He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He anointed me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery. So when it says and, what's he saying and to? To proclaim release and proclaim recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those that are oppressed, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And so all but one of those is is a a proclamation, an announcement. And I even believe the one where he doesn't say to proclaim, if you watch, that's how he set those free who were oppressed. He announced that this was the time for them to be free, and he had the authority to do it. And here's what he says. He closed the book, he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he said to them, he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. You are getting the reality of this. I'm not just reading this like all of your other teachers have read this, like someday this will happen. This is happening right now. When when we talk about preaching the gospel, when when we talk about sharing the good news, when we talk about proclaiming the good news of who Jesus is, what he's done, his death, his resurrection, the fact that he's alive right now, when we talk about this, we have to understand that this is the mission we've been given. This is how the gospel's meant to spread. It's not meant to be spread through force. It's not meant to be spread through government law. It's not meant to be spread by just simply saying, well, it's a good idea and maybe it'll have some good, uh, good uh, results if we, if we practice it. No, it's meant to be announced in power. Watch this. Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord anointed me to preach. He anointed me to proclaim. He anointed me to proclaim. He anointed me to proclaim, preach, announce. The Spirit of the Lord had to anoint me to do this. He doesn't just say he's anointed to heal. He doesn't just say he's anointed to set people free. He doesn't just say he's anointed to to do all those other things. He says he's anointed to proclaim it. And I want you to know today that, that if you're a believer and you understand that people are dying and they need Jesus, people are living without Jesus in reality, 
dead, you know, that we're not really alive until we know him, until we're brought back to life through the gospel. And, 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 and you're living in a world where you say people really need Jesus. They really need hope. They really need life. They need this resurrection. They, they need to come back to God. It's only him that he's the source of all good and all life. Without him, we're dead. We're dying. We're broken. We're lost. And if you say the knowledge of that, it spurs me to something. I, I just can't live knowing that people don't know Jesus. I can't live knowing that people are separate from God and that people may be separate from him for eternity. I can't live with that knowledge without doing something. I I love God and because I love God, I love people and I love them enough to share this gospel, to, to tell people this good news. What kind of people would we be if we believed this to be true and didn't believe we had any responsibility to share it? I mean, if we really believe what we say we believe, how can we say we love people if we don't share this with them? And so when you know that, then, well, the second question is, what do I do with that information? You know, how do I spread the gospel? And we've all probably had examples of people that did it in a way that was more uh, repulsive than compulsive or or, or compelling, rather. Uh, We probably... uh, have had experiences where people tried to force it on someone or, or, or to, to just, if I do it loud enough, maybe it'll have effect. Now, thank God, there's some things that are worth saying loudly and, and I got nothing against that, but we've all probably seen negative examples of, of somebody trying to do this in their own strength. But you know what's the problem is, is that when we see something that's not quite right, too often we run to the other side and, and we say, well, I don't want to be like that. And, and we really neglect what God has sent us to do. And I, I, wanna, I wanna put this out to you that if every single one of us is meant to proclaim this gospel, to proclaim good news, to announce it, to share it, to preach it, uh, you don't need a microphone to preach it. You don't need a pulpit to preach it. You don't need an online audience like this to preach it. You just need you and, and in the Holy Spirit. But you know what we all need? We need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's anointed me to preach. I want to tell you that any preaching must be anointed preaching. A lot of times we treat the anointing and the word anointing like it's a level for preachers. Like, uh, you know, I go to a church where the preaching is really anointed. I went, I went and visited some people and it wasn't very anointed. And we treat it like it's this strange level of, of um, technicality or, or somebody's, somebody's gotten better at the craft of preaching and, and maybe that means they're more anointed or I felt something. But really, the reality is, is that it has, it's not about our skill as preachers. It's not about um, how, how effective we are at communicating. Although those things are good, the anointing is about the Spirit of God on us, in us, through us, using us, empowering us. And without Him, it doesn't matter how skilled you are. It doesn't matter how talent you, talented you are as a communicator. Without the anointing, there's no life in it. There's no power in it. Jesus didn't dare to do anything without the anointing. Jesus, the perfect son of God, who could have preached an amazing sermon, could have preached the best sermon you've ever heard, didn't dare to preach it unless it was in the power of the Holy Spirit. Who are we? Are we any greater than our master? Are we any greater than our Lord? Absolutely not. We need the anointing. And I want you to know that you're not greater than your Lord, but at the same time, you don't have less of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you don't have a lesser spirit is what I mean. You don't have a lesser Holy Spirit. You have the same spirit Jesus had. And so you are absolutely entitled and commanded to preach in the power of the Holy Spirit and to preach in the anointing.
I mean, how do you know that preaching is anointed? Maybe you've heard someone say, I like this church because the preaching is anointed, or I like this music because it's really anointed. When I grew up, a lot of times, someone would almost use the word anointed with music uh, if it just gave them the right feelings or emotions. But by that standard, there's a lot of music that has nothing to do with God that moves your emotions, that makes you feel a certain way, that could give you goosebumps or make you cry. There are movies that do that. There are really talented communicators that do that. I mean, you can watch a TED Talk and feel pulled. Uh, yeah, some of the worst people on the planet have been really good communicators. Hitler, Mussolini, these guys could communicate well and, and, and really were able to uh, capture the base desires of their audience and, and bring it out in a populist way that made people feel like they were being lifted by their words and, and pulled in, but it wasn't God at all. And so really, what does it mean for preaching to be anointed. Does it mean that it made me feel a certain way? Well, no. Although anointed preaching always makes me feel something, that's not the barometer. That's not how you know. So maybe the two questions we need to ask is, what is anointed preaching? How do, or how do I know it's anointed, rather? And then why is it anointed? What did that person do uh, to walk in that anointing? Well, the first answer I'd give you is, how do you know it's anointed? Well, the, the truth is, is that I don't always know right away, but you know it's anointed when it doesn't just speak to your soul, it doesn't just speak to your flesh, it speaks to your spirit. That You know it's anointed when the Holy Spirit's using it, when there's power in those words, not because the preacher is really skilled at seeming powerful, but rather, is this the Holy Spirit that's speaking to you through that person? And that's why, dear friends, here's the good news you can be just as anointed as the best preacher on the planet because it's not about your skill at communicating. It's about the work of the Spirit. Now, I'm sure the Holy Spirit will help you communicate, and I'm sure it doesn't hurt to improve your communication skills, but the power doesn't come from that. The power comes from the Holy Spirit. Jesus had to be anointed to proclaim this. Why? Because when he proclaimed it, he had to back it up. I mean, when he proclaimed it, something happened. First, the first thing that happened, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When it's the word of God, it brings faith. When Jesus proclaimed release to the captives, people heard it and brought themselves to Jesus or brought people that were bound and oppressed to Jesus. When Jesus preached recovery of sight to the blind, the blind came and he healed them. When he preached liberty, release, people came in bondage and were set free. When he preached it, it happened. You know, Paul says this, he says, I, I didn't come to hear these preachers' words or their messages. I came to see their power. Now, he doesn't just mean... Um, you know, the power uh, when they pray for people in a healing line, although that's probably a big deal. But he's also saying the power that's behind those words. Is it just an empty message that has a lot of flair? Or is there power behind it? Let me read you this that, that uh, um, Paul says to the Thessalonians. He says this in, in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. Like this word of God performs its work in you. And so when you heard it, it changed you. When you heard it, it had power. Earlier on in chapter one, he says this, 
Verse 5, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Listen to that. Our gospel, we've been talking about the gospel. So the gospel needs to come not just in word. So it's, it's not about learning five steps to sharing your, your faith. That, that, that's, that can be hugely helpful. But it can't just be words that you're saying. This, is, this has got to be something that, that not, if it's bringing faith, it's got to have faith. You've got to have faith when you preach it. Just like the person who hears it has got to have faith. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So just as much as that person needs to hear it in faith, you need to preach it in faith. You need to share it in faith. This is what happens when it's preached in faith and in the power of the Spirit. It comes not just in word, but in power and with full conviction. Full conviction, uh, we often just think is when the Holy Spirit tells us that something is wrong. But that's not how it's being used here. In fact, full conviction means that you know it so deep down in you that it is a, a belief that is firmly held. It is you know it with all your body and all your soul, all your strength that this is real. Full conviction means I didn't just accept it up here, I embraced it. And that's what he says later, that it changed your life. It changed how you lived, it changed how you loved, it changed how you acted, it changed how you hoped. So that's what the gospel can do. But let me ask you something. If, if we're asking, how do we know it's anointed? Now we want to know, well, why is it anointed? It's anointed because it's the Holy Spirit that starts it, right? You, you can't do something that you weren't given. I mean, you can't, the Bible says, how can you preach if you weren't sent? Now, that could mean sent, like, you know, somebody sends you and, 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 and prays for you and, and, and gives you money to go and, and preach the gospel and does all these things. But it also means sent by God himself. And we were all sent into whatever area you find yourself, whether it's your job or your family or, or your neighborhood, you were sent there. God is with you. And we've all been sent to preach the gospel. We've all been empowered to do that. And so when we say, you know, number one, did it start with God? Did, did, am I told to do this? Is this God's idea or is it mine? And when it's God's idea, oh, that's awesome. Secondly, when you're preaching the gospel, it's got to be more real to you than, than just something that you mentally agree with. It, if it doesn't light a fire in you, how can it light a fire in anyone else? I love that picture that a lot of times when we do our Christmas Eve candlelight service, we start out with one person or two people sometimes having a lit candle, and then they go around lighting another person's candle, and they go and light someone else's candle. And the picture is, is that all this started from one flame, but it was all these different people that spread that light. And it's the story and it's the picture of how the gospel is spread, how the light is spread, that it starts with somebody. But that fire lights someone else's fire. It lights someone else's fire. Well, how can you light someone else's fire when your own fire has gone out? How can the gospel have any power when I preach it if it doesn't have any power in my own life? How can I hope that it brings faith in the hearer if there's not faith in the preacher? Well, Tracy Harris said to me one time, he said, there's a lot of ministers. You know, the, the scripture said, Paul said, uh, having the same spirit of faith, we believe, therefore we spoke. And he says there's a lot of preachers that can preach a message of faith but don't have a spirit of faith. In other words, it's just a message to them. It's not the real spirit. It's not in them. And if, it's, if we don't have that spirit of faith, Paul says we had that same spirit of faith so we believed, therefore we spoke. You always have to believe what you're saying. If you can't believe what you're saying, don't bother saying it. And I'm not telling you to go retreat and just say, well, I guess I can't preach the gospel. I'm saying come back to the place where you believe it. 
Let God reignite it in you. Rediscover your faith. Get excited about it again. How can I tell someone that Jesus is the healer if I don't believe he's the healer? How can I tell someone that Jesus is the healer if I'm not also prepared to say, can I pray for you? I believe Jesus can heal you. How can I tell someone that Jesus is the deliverer if I'm not also believing that today he can deliver them? Because that's a big part of Jesus's message is today this is fulfilled. Remember, he said, I've been, I've been sent to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You know, when it talks about proclaiming the years of the Lord's favor, he's hearkening back to that, that original chapter in Isaiah. He's reading that chapter in Isaiah, which says to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. To the Hebrew mind, they would have connected that with the year of Jubilee. Not only that, there's more to it, but part of that connection would be the year of Jubilee, where every 50 years there would be this favorable time, where every 50 years everyone, it, God said it would be a year of release, a time of release. Every captive would go free, every debt would be forgiven. And the word Jubilee actually comes from the word Yobal or Jubal as you might say it, which means a ram's horn, the sounding of a ram's horn. And so that year of Jubilee was announced with a sound. And I want to tell you that when God initiates things on this earth, he initiates them with a sound. And that sound here is Jesus saying, today this is fulfilled. You see, isn't that the, the, the power of, of, of this, this time that we live in, where we're not just saying someday, we're saying today. In fact, the Bible says in Isaiah that God says to them in a, in a favorable time, I, I've heard you in a day of salvation, I've helped you. And Paul quotes that in the New Testament, and he quotes that and he says, in the favorable time, I heard you. In a, in a, in a day of salvation, I have helped you. And then he goes on and he says, behold, today, this is the favorable time. Today is the day of salvation. So he says, we're telling you right now, today's the day. And that's the urgency of the gospel. That's the power of the gospel is it can't be proclaimed from this emotional, spiritual distance where we say, I think this is true. I really hope you believe it. Where when we announce the gospel, there's power there to accomplish exactly what you've said. That when Jesus came, he didn't just say things, he did them. His words carried that power. I want to read you something in Mark chapter 1. In Mark 1, at the beginning of his ministry, this is what happened in verse 21. They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and he began to teach. They were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. And that word authority literally means sort of what it means in English. It literally means the power to act, the power to do. Listen to this, he was teaching them with authority. A lot of times when we hear the word teaching, we don't think of authority um, to do something. We, we, we think of a transference of information. Maybe that's uh, what you've tuned in today for, that I'll learn something new. Let me tell you, when we, when we fall into that trap, we miss out on so much that God wants us to do. God never wants his word to be simple information for your brain. It's powerful, it's alive. When God spoke, let there be light, there was light. God, the Bible says God created the universe with his word. Like his, and the Bible says it's by his word that the whole thing is held together. And so words have power. God's words have divine power. So when we hear this and when we preach this, can I just say to you, if you're going to tell someone that Jesus is their savior, that he wants to save them, be prepared. Be prepared to be that bridge 
be prepared that today is their day, not just to hear that, but to be saved. If you're going to tell someone that Jesus is their deliverer, be prepared to stand there and say, today you can be delivered. If you're going to tell them Jesus is their healer, be prepared to say, I'm here. Let's believe God. Let's pray. Let's ask God because he is the healer right now. He's your healer. Jesus preached and they said, he has authority. He has power to do, not just to say, but to do. There's something behind these words. They have authority, not like our scribes, not like our teachers of the law that just teach it intellectually, that teach it uh, as man-made tradition. This is something different. And it says, just then there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out saying, what business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. Throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. And they were all amazed so that they debated among themselves saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. Immediately the news about him spread everywhere into the surrounding district of Galilee. Listen to this. What is this? A new teaching with authority. See, that's how it's meant to be taught. It's how it's meant to be shared, with authority. The Spirit of the Lord anointed me to say this. I'm saying that because that's what Jesus said. The Spirit of the Lord wants to anoint you to say something. You know, the preacher needs to have faith. The preacher needs to believe what they're saying. If you can't believe it, don't even bother. Believe what you're saying. Get it into your own heart. Let it become a fire in you so it can be a fire in someone else. Listen, maybe you just have that one thing, that one revelation that God has given you that's become so real in you that it's changed your life. Go and tell someone about it. Start with that. Don't don't end with that because we can't just live on one revelation. God wants to continually show us more of himself through his word and through his spirit, but, but start there. That's the one thing, like if you've been delivered from from drugs or alcohol or whatever, and and you've got that, that God can set you free from this, start there. Start telling people about that. So, I mean, don't don't neglect the the, the power of the gospel and the the message of the cross and the resurrection, but, but all of that that you're preaching about being set free from drugs and alcohol, that comes right back to the cross. That comes back to the resurrection. Uh, start with what you have and pass that on and then say, Lord, I want to receive more so I can give more away. I want you to know that if this gospel is worth sharing, it's worth sharing in power. Don't ever preach something you can't believe and don't ever preach something you don't expect God to back up. If you're just preaching theory, then the world's full of theory. But if you're preaching God's word, it's powerful. It changes lives, it changes people, it changes the reality. It's not just telling people what's happening. It's changing what's happening. It's not just telling people this is the reality. It's changing that reality. God's put you in a position just for this time. You're here right at the right place at the right time. Don't waste this precious little time we have on earth. Don't waste it. Don't let it go. But let God use you in a mighty way. Amen. Father, would you use us? Anoint us to preach your gospel with power. Lord, Use our mouth, use our lips, use our eyes, use our ears. Father, use us in every way. Use our hands, use our feet. Let us be your instruments. Let us be your people that uh, carry your spirit, carry your anointing. God, we don't want to do one thing if you're not with us. We don't want to do one thing if you're not empowering us. We don't want to do this alone. You said we never have to. So Lord, we rely on you. We're asking you to lead us and guide us in all our ways and in all your truth. Father, use us in a mighty way. 
In Jesus' name, amen.